on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. We recap a fantastic Super Bowl 58. Then in football, guys talking basketball, we talk some OU basketball and thunder, and we finish up with our winners and losers of the weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast. Rate it five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right, our man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Sunday, February 11th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there's so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful, award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of February, all you got to do is visit riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best now recording this late Sunday night, please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. Also, if you want to advertise on the podcast, please email us at the Oklahoma breakdown at gmail.com. Ted, that was a heck of a Super Bowl. That's where we're starting, man. And the way that we can tie it to OU football is there are more OU guys in that game than any other college. Yeah, baby. Yeah. They're very well represented. A lot of guys there, a lot of familiar faces. Fantastic football game. Overtime uh, came down the last play. That's what you want to see in a Super Bowl. It was exciting. How confused do you think people were by the clock situation in overtime? I thought thought Romo did a good job explaining it. Yes. Saying, hey, this is like the first quarter of overtime because there had to be a few people out there that were very confused that the Chiefs weren't operating with more of a sense of urgency. Right. Well, and at the coin toss, and they pointed it out on the broadcast, the official said, we're starting a new game. All right. And essentially, that's what you're doing. Obviously, um, after each get a possession, you're, you're sudden death there. But, yeah, it was wild. And somehow, Kansas City pulls it off again. I mean, it, it looked like for most of the football game, the 49ers were the better team, but it didn't end up that way on the scoreboard. The first half, the 49ers defensive line was absolutely getting after it. I mean, how many negative plays did the Chiefs have? They're not even negative plays. They had some huge yardage negative plays, but they couldn't do hardly anything, man. But I, I thought that 
that was a huge missed opportunity for the 49ers when it felt like they were really controlling the entire football game. They didn't create any separation at all, Ted. Well, the first series, I mean, they're taking chunk after chunk after chunk right down the field, and then Christian McCaffrey fumbles. Um, You know, you have – I mean, it's so Kansas City. You have a punt play where the returners yelling poison, get away from it, and it hits – like the inside foot of one of the 49ers and takes a, a wild bounce returner, tries to to jump on it, can't get it. Next play touchdown for Kansas City, right back in the football game. Um, you know, I thought but not only right back in the football game, they were at that point, it felt like the 49ers had controlled the entire thing. And that touchdown, all of a sudden, Kansas City's up 13 to 10, and you're going, wait. How? <laughs> right. No, it's it's wild. I thought, I don't know. I was shocked that the 49ers completely abandoned the running game. It's insane. I don't, they, I don't understand what they're doing. I There's really no excuse. Even you, you mentioned that first drive. Chunk after chunk after chunk. They could have ran variations of mid-zone all game long, and for whatever reason, they just completely got away from Christian McCaffrey. And I have no idea why. What they went three and out like three or four times in a row and threw it like ten straight times or something crazy. It was was wild, but, you know, they got right back to it Some would say it's bad coaching. It's bad play calling. They, They were running the absolute hell out of the ball. By an NFL standard, they were gashing the Chiefs with the run game, gashing yep. them, and just completely went away from it. Yep, I, it was. Yeah, I, I thought, you know, we talked about it. The 49ers defensive line had to show up, and they did. I thought they were great. Bosa was all over the place. Pressure on Mahomes nonstop forced him into some trouble. Forced him into some bad plays. He finally was able to keep the ball a couple of times late and convert some big first downs for him, but they made life really difficult on him. He was he was at his best when he needed to be at his best. I tried to tell you, man. Don't don't bet against Patrick Mahomes. I tried to tell you. It's just inc- I I don't know. It's just it's it's incredible. I mean, the final third and seven they had. They bring all-out pressure. Fred Warner gets tackled by the running back right in front of Mahomes, right in front of the official, no flag. Third and seven, pick it up on a crosser, big chunk play for a first down, no flag. And, you know, they score a couple plays later. It's, It's, you know, and I'm sure there's plenty of those calls out there. It's just, it's, I'll take a, a line from Brock Lesnar they have a horseshoe up their ass and I don't know. I don't know who's finally going to yank the sucker out, but you know, they find ways to win and they make big plays, but they also have some incredible things happen for them. Uh, There's when you think about the biggest plays of the game, you know, you have the McCaffrey fumble. You also had the Pacheco fumble. And that was 
finally after the Chiefs got something going with the long, what was it, 52-yarder to Hardman. But the it, it seems like the small things, I guess they're not small things, they're big mistakes. A lot of the big mistakes came from the 49ers. Blocked extra point. The blocked extra point was huge. I'm going to shoot now. In Moody, in Moody's defense, he did hit some massive he kicks did. in that game. He man. did. He was great. It's just you know, and you never know how things end differently. I mean, Kansas City plays different at the end of regulation if they're down four. Um, you know, I, I thought I'll have to think back. The the 49ers had a I think it was a third and five, third and four or five late, and before the the field goal they kicked. Uh I thought they should have run the football there. If you get it, great. I mean, you, you have an opportunity to get it, but if you don't, you force Kansas City to use a timeout. I mean the that's one of those where it's hard. They're trying to convert the first down, and I understand it. But like at that point, I didn't know it was going to go as long as it did. But I told my wife, Kansas City was. It's I've seen this movie before. I know what's about to happen here. Like it's Kansas City's going to win this football game. I thought they were going to do it before regulation, which you know they they had a couple of opportunities at it. But hey. Give them credit, man. They uh, they get it done whenever whenever it means the most, and they got to have something. They find a way. You mentioned that they probably could have got it done in regulation. Rice was open. Yeah. When when Mahomes and not only was it he open, he openly expressed his frustration that he was open, which was which was pretty interesting. But he was he was open there in the middle of the field when uh, when Mahomes decided to go to Kelsey with the ball in that moment. And then they, they just didn't want to take the chance on running another play there at the end of regulation, kick the overtime or kick the field goal and send it in overtime. But I just, I thought San Francisco was the better team. I did. And, but it unfolded exactly how I thought it was. Just, you, you can never count Patrick Mahomes and that group out. You just can't. Kelsey well, made some huge plays too down the stretch. Yeah. You just, you can't, I, I don't know if they got, if they got sucked into, to Kansas city's game or what, like I don't just do what got you there. Run the football, you know, keep it simple. They started throwing it and it just totally took the wind out of their sails and they finally got it back and looked good late, which you know, need to mention, I thought Brock Purdy was excellent. He was really good. 23 to 38 for 255 and a touchdown. I didn't think he missed many things. A lot of those incompletions are kind of throwaway type throws, and he created space for himself, thought he did good in the pocket, made, made some really nice throws over the middle. I thought he was really good. I mean, they didn't lose the game because of Brock Purdy. They should have just run it more. Yeah.
I'm sure Kyle Shanahan will get asked. I'm sure he's, as we record this, because we basically started recording as they started the trophy ceremony, I'm sure he's getting asked those questions right about now. Which, uh, that's about as... That's about as sick as I've seen some guys look after the uh, the games over there for the 49ers. Shanahan himself uh, was one of those, so tough game. I wonder if he regrets taking the ball. And I understand, I think I understand why he did it. Because his defense was just on the field for a long time. You think about that long drive that Kansas City went on at the end of regulation. They end up kicking the field goal to send it to overtime. Defense was out there for a lot of snaps. But don't you just still have to defer there? It's different. Regular season overtime, you take the football because you can win the game. Postseason overtime, both teams get a possession. No matter what, you go on defense. I thought it was a mistake, and I and I knew the rule. There are some people just losing their mind. Maybe they didn't know the rule, but I was sitting there going back and forth, going, "I, I know he probably just thinks his defense is tired, but I just thought that that was." You combine that with the lack of runs that he called, and well, I don't know if Shanahan is, had a good night, man. The problem is you – let's say you go down to score a touchdown, right, and your defense was tired. Well, they're about to get a lot more tired because you know what you're getting. You get four downs to get a first for Mahomes all the way down the football field. I mean – that's 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 asking a lot for your of your defense in that that position. You put them out there early, you get them into a third and long, pin your ears back, you're fine. You know you can get off the field, but you know, yeah, I I would agree. I don't think Shanahan had a good night as a defensive guy, the game winner. How frustrated were you? by the lack of communication in that situation. Uncovered to win the Super Bowl, dude. I I it's it's tough. Those guys are exhausted. It you've played I mean the game was going on four hours and fifteen minutes or something like that. Uh, honestly at that I was I had already like a long time before that, I already thrown in the towel for the 49ers. So I'm I'm proud of those guys for having as much fight as they did. It's just, you know, it's tough. You you get you get sucked in. The moment's too big. You start thinking that you got to make the play, and you know you get outflanked and don't communicate a, a simple little crosser down in the in the red area. I'm heartbroken for Trent Williams. Do we do we have to point out the penalty on Braden Willis? I don't want to. I mean, it was everyone saw it. You know, it the timing of it was what was so bad is because they're making a huge deal about 
Jill going to the locker room. Jill go to the locker room and then not coming out. And then I saw the flag. They said holding on number nine. I was no. I did the exact same thing, man. I was like, <laughs> no, please no. And then the call. It's just you know, it's one of those over there on the edge, and the defensive guy like throws his hands in there and flails around like a little girl. This is this is something that Kevin Wilson used to tell us, and it, but he we were obviously on offense. He he would always say, "If you're being held, be demonstrative. That's the <laughs> only way they'll call defensive holding." And I think, I think that defender has been told something similar. That was a uh, that was quite the acting job. Hey, it's the small things. It's the details. If Fred Warner, whenever he got tackled right in front of Patrick Mahomes in overtime, would have like thrown it. He didn't even have time to throw his hands up. He got form tackled by Pacheco. Um, you know, but that's that's the difference. Heartbroken for Trent Williams and Braden Willis. Elated, elated for our guys, Blake Bell, Creed Humphrey, Wanye Morris, and James Winchester. A lot of OU guys in that. And I I thought that, you know, Creed had a couple low snaps. I thought he played really, really well. I thought he was by far Kansas City's best offensive lineman in that game. I don't think Trent gave up anything. As far no. as pressure, like he was just lights out there on the left side. What he had, had one false start, early. but that yeah, well, he had a false start. Had that holding call, but that was one where Purdy he didn't know was escaping to the outside. I mean, that's I think not those are on back to back plays, I believe. Yeah. But he looked good on a couple of those pin pull toss sweeps. He no one better out there in front. Yep, no one better in football uh, along the offensive line, getting out in space, but. What's that? Three Super Bowls for the Belldozer? Crazy. Impressive. Winchester may have. No, that's three because they, they lost one. Yeah, so three for both of those guys. That's Creed's second, Wanye's first. How about that? Rookie year, win a Super Bowl. That'll work. A lot of hardware out there. And for the 49ers, man, it's. I, I like their team. I like. Uh, they're stacked. It's just, it's hard to get back, man. You just, you'd never know whenever you've got the opportunity like that, you've got to be able to, you know, finish the football game. You just, you can't say that they'll be back. Kansas City, you could say that because they got the best quarterback in the league, right? You feel like they're going to be back for a while. 49ers, they got an unbelievable roster, but you just, you never know. You have to feel pretty good about their chances with the deal that Purdy's on. He's yeah. got two more years on a seventh rounder salary. Remember, he's got he's on a four year deal. There's no fifth year option, right? He won the first round or anything like that. So they'll have to come to an agreement here in the near future. But two seasons of him being on one of the best contract, if not the best contract in the national football league that allows you to put a lot around him. So I, I think they'll be back, but I think the, the worst thing for them 
I, I think the worst thing's going to be the questions that Kyle Shanahan's going to continue to get. Yeah. About some of the yeah. decision making in that game. Rightfully so, but you know, I, I I imagine they'll get back to doing what they do again next year. And you know, here's the other thing. Somehow, Christian McCaffrey made it through an entire season without getting injured. It's because you didn't have him on your fantasy team this year. There's a lot of truth to that, and I had an opportunity to take him, and I didn't. <laughs> and it, you know, I stay. I still won the league. Amazing. Well, there you but, go. You know, they were they were pretty lucky health wise throughout. You know, it's just we'll see if they can stay healthy. They'll you know they'll definitely be back. I mean, they're the they have the best roster in the NFL. So, you know, they've they've got they've got their their shot over the next couple of years. For sure. I I feel pretty confident that the Chiefs are going to continue to make deep runs in the playoffs with the Mahomes guy at quarterback. Feel pretty well, confident about that. They I, I thought they did a good job pointing it out during the broadcast that it's a totally different Kansas City team than we've seen recently. It's a defensive led you know team that they they've got the running game. It's more of a short passing game than it is a deep passing game like it was a couple years back. I mean, they've they've changed and they'll continue to change uh and adapt to their to their their roster, their personnel and you know Mahomes' style is going to change a little bit, you know, I believe He's going to become less and less mobile. He'll be trying to get the ball out of his hands quicker. So they've done a great job adapting. Final score, 25-22. Just a reminder, over-under finished at 46.5. Odds makers are pretty good at this stuff, man. I mean, unbelievable. But Mahomes, 333 yards passing. Two touchdowns at the interception. That was what that first drive of the half, uh, second half. It was also their leading rusher. They win the Super Bowl with Mahomes being their leading rusher with 66 yards rushing. I. Everyone will point out that Mahomes has now won three Super Bowls and they'll start talking about how he's, you know, he's going to be knocking on the door when it comes to the amount of Super Bowls that Tom Brady has won, right? It feels like he's the only guy at this point that's got a chance of getting in that rarefied air. They won because of that defense. Yeah. And that defense has been the strength of that football team for the majority of the year. And I thought when, when Kansas City's offense was, let's be real, they looked terrible early. That defense kept them in it and kept them within striking distance. And that group deserves a ton of credit for that. Yeah. It's crazy. You know, what was Brady's first Super Bowl? 03? 02. 02. There was almost 20 years between his first and his last Super Bowl. I mean, that's incredible. And, you know, they had a bunch of different teams in there. Some Sometimes they had the by far the best defense. And, 
you know, other times they were just an offensive machine. But, you know, they had different teams and they had to adapt a bunch. And you're seeing that with Kansas City. The crazy thing about Kansas City, like this year, they won the Super Bowl. But it's it's weird saying this, but I don't think they were even close to be the best team. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I hear you, but dude, that's why they play the games. I know, I know. And like, if you can keep stacking those up, it's you know, it's it's just it's crazy. When you stack those two rosters up, and Kansas City doesn't have a bad roster, but it's just it ain't close. You know, like the amount of like star power you have on the 49ers is incredible. And Kansas City has some really good players, but I mean Mahomes was you know, he's the difference. Like how much better he was not necessarily than Brock Purdy. They're they it's different situations, different circumstances, but I mean, I don't I just I don't think anyone else wins that game but Patrick Mahomes. I thought Kansas City's secondary was awesome. Yeah. I if the Mahomes guy wouldn't have been on the field, I think McDuffie was the best player in the game. He's he is legit, man. Play Ooh. after play after play. I mean, just making plays on the football, not giving anything up. That guy was, and I know he's first team all pro, but damn. Yeah. And he was just, he was all over anyone that he was covering. That was that was about as impressive of a performance from a defensive back I can remember in a Super Bowl. That was that was something. Anything else from the game? No. Once again, happy for the four O you guys. The play for the Chiefs. I I won't lie. As it unfolded. Because I was sitting at my house going, I could have gone to this. (laughs) I probably should have gone to this. Yeah. I'm sitting on my couch watching, going, they're going to go down the field and win this game. I'm I'm normally not a big FOMO guy. Dude, I, I am the ultimate, hey, I live with the decisions I make. It is what it is. You know, life's all about choices and consequences. As I made my choice, I got to live with the consequences, no matter how it makes me feel. I was sitting on my couch going, you made a mistake there, bub. You should be in Las Vegas right now. What are we doing? Damn yeah. it. It was the venue looked great. Field, oh. no turf issues that I saw. Field was fantastic. Yep. Oh, that just reminded me. Dre Greenlaw's injury. That has to be, when you think about circumstances, like the situation, it's one of the worst injuries ever. Yep. The dude is just getting hyped and running out onto the field to go out for another defensive series and blows his Achilles out. After a big special teams play, yeah. Horrible. I wanted, you and I have a very similar fear of Achilles injuries. Yeah. I wanted to throw up for him. 
And then they I, put him in that tiny little card where he looked like, ah, that was, I mean, that is an all time. I don't even, do you call it unlucky? Like yeah. that's an, that's one of the most unlucky injuries ever. Yep. That was crazy. It, it, it is. And I knew it as soon as I saw it. I know you probably did too. Oh. He did the like the turn around and look back like everyone does, like they feel like they got shot or something. Someone kicked him in the back of the leg. It was all there. I was, ugh, I was just brutal. I hate that for him. It's un, I mean, it's just, it's, and that's a, the dude that came in and played for him ended up playing really good though. Oh my gosh. Was it Brooks was his last name, I think. They had he a couple up, guys. He had a really nice, really nice game on considering the circumstances, but I mean, that was that was a big factor. Only thing we haven't covered. Halftime show. Commercials. I, I've got, I've got uh, high marks on both. Thought the halftime show was great. I was entertained. Were it you was, singing? Uh, I was. I knew the tunes. I knew the tunes. Yeah, you did. Here we go. The only thing. And it's not a complaint. It's more of a question is what the hell was ludicrous wearing his shoulder pads. Did you see his <laughs> boots? Yeah. What? Well, I don't know. I don't know why Usher ever had a shirt on at all. Just he was wearing that sequin sparkly looking thing to start. Now the, I did not see the roller skates coming. That caught me off guard. I was not prepared yeah. for that. And, you know, the trying to go under the dude's legs. Did not go well. That guy's way too small for that. I mean, that guy's like five foot five. No way. But, hey, he had some nice skills on the skates. He was pretty cool. There was one moment where it looked like he was losing a little bit, but he is athletic guy, coordinated guy, kind of spun out of it, made it look cool. I was like, you almost just fell down, dude. (laughs) But he played it (laughs) off really well. I I know that there are there's probably an age range that really really enjoyed that and if you're past that certain age range you probably didn't love it but when I tell you I knew every word to every <laughs> portion of every song that was played that halftime show was tailor made for people my age I knew everywhere when he started with caught up, I was blown away. I was like, I did not see this coming. It was was great. I loved it. I don't, I don't care. People will say, Oh, where's it rank all time. I don't care. It was wildly entertaining for me. It was fantastic for, for me. I, I know it may not be for everyone, but for people around my age and obviously clearly people around your age, Ted nailed it. Yep. I, no complaints here. I enjoyed it. Thought it was good. There were no lulls. That's for sure. No, that was that was a fast paced. You better be paying attention. Halftime show. Yeah, I I still am like the most impressive thing is how quickly he got out of the roller skates and back into regular shoes. <laughs> that was awesome. The outfit change was impressive, and also I I just love Alicia Keys so much. Uh, yeah, she was great. Uh, she was great. Sounded fantastic. Any favorite commercial? 
I'm going Dunkin' Donuts. I would, dude. I that was. was pretty good. I thought Affleck was fantastic in that commercial. I thought J Lo was great. Matt David, Tom, Tom Brady. Those. How much did they have to pay Tom Brady to wear those glasses? I don't know, but it was it, awesome. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. That's the best thing I've seen Ben Affleck in in a long time. Are you not an Affleck fan? No, I am. Oh, okay. But it's like it was. He was good. <laughs> good, good acting chops in it. That, it awesome. that guy can act a little bit. No, I, yeah. I, I thought that was the best commercial. Unless you, unless you thought there was another one that was better. I, I wrote down a couple. I thought the, the. I don't. I think this is how you say it. Sarah V. Sarah V, the skincare company, yeah. where Michael Sarah was, it, the commercial was him pitching the idea to him. I don't know. That one made me laugh, but maybe it's just because I, I think Michael Sarah is very funny. I heard that one from like the next room. I didn't see it. And I, I have direct TV and because of the snow, it was like, it goes to like the streaming part of it, which is awesome. It used to not have that. So it's, it goes to streaming. And it's a pain in the ass to rewind it and everything. So I didn't rewind any of the commercials, but I just kind of heard that one from the next room. I thought the, I thought the, the couch potato thing was so sad, but true that it was actually good. We grow couch potatoes. I can, I can get <laughs> on board with that. Yeah. No, that, good chuckle. The only other thing I have about the commercial is whoever is in charge of the marketing budget for the, he gets us commercials is just shelling out a ton of cash. My gosh. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of money spent on that stuff. Some of it goes a, a, a long way. The, uh, the Schwarzenegger thing's probably going to get a lot of, a lot of mileage out of that. That's pretty good, but no, all in all, I thought everything was good. thought the broadcast was good. Start to finish. I thought I thought Romo and those guys did a really good job. Didn't have any problem with that. I mean, top notch. I think the biggest complaint I saw about Romo was him singing to Adele going to break. I some of that stuff I think <laughs> is funny because I know how upset it's gonna make people. Like I like whatever like that. I guess there was a streaker and he's like, Oh, we can't talk about that. <laughs> that was pretty funny. I thought the broadcast was good. Clearly the game, which let's be real, slow start. Yeah. Slow start. That first half was not not gonna win any awards, but to see that second half unfold the way that it did, have the drama of the overtime, it finishing on a walk off play like that, fantastic. Halftime show, like I said, tailor made for me. I was dancing. Uh, we had a bunch of my my kids and my nephews had a couple other kids over. All, all of them were dancing. It was really fun. But yeah, I I was very very entertained by every aspect of that Super Bowl. Same. And I could even I even no complaints about the Taylor Swift. I it was not too much. Quick shot and then done. I could handle that. Perfect amount. I have no yeah. complaints. 
Now, when Especially, she performs at the Chiefs after party and a couple people send me videos of it, I'll be like, I that was a mistake. Dang they it. can show Taylor Swift as much as they want whenever she's standing next to Blake Lively. My wife and I agree on this. <laughs> she, this is my my wife will tell you straight up. Blake Lively is one of the hottest people on planet Earth. <laughs> yeah. My wife is a she may be a bigger Blake Lively fan than I am. And my goodness. She was looking good. Yep. She. We'll leave it at that. Let's get to, let's get to call your shot. <laughs> we asked you guys, what was the most important thing that happened for OU football this weekend? And Ted, there was a, uh, there was an overwhelming response. And this one comes from sooner virtual who says, FanDuel put their win-loss total at six and a half. If I was in the locker room, that would be great motivation to crush off-season workouts. So if you missed it, FanDuel put out its SEC win totals for the 2024 season. Right, They put it out and they say, hey, do you want the over? Do you want the under? And the opening number for the Sooners was six and a half. It quickly jumped to seven and a half, but it started at six and a half, Ted. It kind of felt like straight disrespect, man. It is. You know, and this is, I said the same thing talking about it Friday on the radio show. It's disrespectful, but it's what you've earned. All right, whatever you, whatever you're over the last two years, you've lost as many games to teams that you have no business losing to. That's what you get, you know. Um, I mean, it's frustrating. It makes me mad. Hopefully, it makes those guys mad. I don't know if it doesn't. I don't know if they care. They probably don't care. I'm, I probably wouldn't care if I was in their shoes. But I, it's it's disrespect. I mean, it's now I will say this. There is there's a pretty wide range in what people's schedules look like. So like if if you look at Missouri, Missouri, I think theirs was like nine and a half, maybe. And they won ten games this year. I I think they're gonna be a solid football team next year, but their schedule considering like the conference now, it's as easy as you could put a schedule together. I mean, for the teams that they would have had the possibility of playing, it lines up perfectly for them. Our schedule far more difficult than what Missouri's is far more difficult than I, you know, than like Tennessee and A&M and some of those teams, but it's still, it's still disrespectful, but you've kind of earned it. I, my official stance is, I don't mind it. Remember when Neil Brown, when, when West Virginia was voted dead last heading into the season yeah. in the Big 12, and he just had 14 put up everywhere throughout their facility. They were picked 14th. It was all over the place. They would break their huddle, 14th. I wouldn't mind just a giant six and a half put in the hall somewhere that the guys have to walk by 
And I don't know if you want to you want to bring up betting lines, but I think it would be a nice <laughs> reminder. Yeah. Six and a half. Well, I, hey, we we may not have to worry about it whenever they do the the preseason poll or whatever they do. You know, maybe that'll sort it out at that point, and then you don't even have to talk about a betting line. You can just look at the preseason SEC poll. But no, you're right. I I think if if the team is properly motivated and this could be something that helps them, like I mean, I. I, I just I can't imagine with as good as our defense is going to be, I if we don't win, <laughs> if we don't win a lot more games than that. It's going to be really disappointing. But things can happen, and honestly, if which I think DraftKings Kings is really dumb putting that line out there. Like they've already had a tremendous amount of money, I guess, come in. So and first of all, Spanduel. Don't oh, don't drag okay, DraftKings into this. Sorry. Don't you're you're yeah. getting your betting company mixed sorry up. Now, is it possible? And I know the answer to this. I don't even know why I'm asking you. Did someone hit a wrong button? No. Because it quickly jumped to seven and a half. Well, yeah, because everyone saw it and was like, oh my God, Oklahoma, six and a half over under win total. Like they must have got enough action on it that fast to move it and uh, it, here's the thing though it's reckless of FanDuel but if you're someone that doesn't know what the hell you're talking about and you just kind of look at what Dylan Gabriel's gone well what's the guy look like that's coming back oh you know he did not play well in the bowl game they lost to Arizona they lost their defensive coordinator they lost their offensive coordinator like they you lost can, all five starting offensive linemen. You can look at it and say that like if you don't like do any like due diligence at all, you can look at it and say, like, oh, they're yeah, they're they're in trouble. But you know, and maybe we are, but I think we'll win more than six and a half or seven and a half games. All I know is that twenty twenty two season. We did not have a good time on here. <laughs> and I don't want to do that again. I don't think anybody that listens to this podcast wants us to go through that again. We were we were sad, sad guys. Hey, I I would much rather have one that's that low than Alabama's that's nine and a half. They got a tough schedule too. It's interesting you say that. You may have uh, just unveiled my loser of the week. But we'll get to that. But we got to talk a little basketball first. FGTB. But first, Love's Travel Stops is now offering a nationwide 10 cent per gallon discount on gas and auto diesel. Just download the Love's Connect app and scan your barcode at the prompt on screen and watch that price drop 10 cents per gallon. Across the country, the Loves Connect app unlocks exclusive deals can help any traveler plan their route or meal on the highway. So before you hit the road, be sure to download the Loves Connect app to save 10 cents per gallon and experience the country's best highway hospitality at Loves Travel Stops. Loves also says you've covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones with their expanded mobile-to-go zone. And of course, don't forget to grab yourself some of that delicious Java Amore. 
Celebrate with a Schooner All-American Ale, the official craft beer of OU Athletics from Coop Ale Works. Named after the iconic Sooner Scooter that races across Owen Field after an OU score, you can join in on the celebration with an ice-cold beer from Coop Ale Works. You can enjoy it at the Pals on the Prairie, at OU Athletic Events, at the bar, at the tailgate, and in the comfort of your own home. For more information on Schooner All-American Ale, visit SchoonerL.com. Must be 21 to purchase. Please drink responsibly. Schooner All-American Ale, the taste of game day. And Simple Modern is an Oklahoma-owned company founded by former Sooners. Their mission statement is, we exist to give generously. And they've given millions away in product and donations to nonprofits all over the state and all over the country. Simple Modern is a great company with great mission, and their products are also the perfect swag for any small business owner. You can customize tumblers, water bottles, and coffee mugs to give to current or potential customers that will love the quality and how trendy they are, check them out at simplemodern.com. Football guys talking basketball, FGTB. Ted, let's start with an OU win in Bedlam. Thank goodness. Sooners beat the Cowboys 66-62. I... I wouldn't exactly characterize this one as a pretty win, man, but the but the good guys got it done. We'll take it, right? Man, it was tight down the stretch, hit the foul shots late. Yeah, that one was tight all the way through. Uh, you know, I kept hoping that we were going to go on a run to really extend that thing and put it out of reach, but give Oklahoma State credit for staying right there with us. But, yeah, you're right. wasn't pretty, but absolutely had to have it. And they got the win, big time. Before we go into who I thought played well, who who kind of struggled, did Godwin really get a technical foul for waving a towel on the bench? Is that true? I don't know what it was. I, I, I have no idea. They didn't talk about it much on the broadcast that I ever saw. You know, they just pointed out that he got teed up while he was sitting over there. Hero was <laughs> mocking the refs on Twitter. On on Sunday, not not during the game. I want to make that clear. Now he was joking about it, but even Porter Moser, I heard him after the game. It he thought it was because Godwin was waving a towel. Like refs, what are we doing, guys? And it fouled him out. It fouled him out of the basketball game. The guys, a starter. It was a factor too. <laughs> it was a factor. I yeah, your brother came in, and I thought he did an admirable job. He did some but good stuff, yeah. You you just can't do that as an official. That's insane. That's absurdity. Yeah, I I don't know. It's hard not being there, not knowing what was said and everything. But I I was really hoping that Porter was going to r- walk over there, grab the microphone, and say, "Don't boo the refs, no matter how bad they are." He was going to pull the tubs. Yeah. That would have been incredible. Going to do that. I think like, because the anniversary of that was just like, I think this last week. Yeah. I I thought Jalen Moore had some big plays in this game. Yep. Some some displays of athleticism as we, we've grown used to seeing from him. He had the super athletic alley-oop early, then the alley-oop and one where he got hit. I thought that was a huge play. One of the biggest shots of the game, the corner three to make it 56-55. I mean, he ends up with 15-8, and eight, another nice game. 
I, I'm not trying to, I, I'm not trying to put anyone else down, but I think he's their best player, man. I think you, you know what you're going to get from him pretty much night in and night out. Athleticism runs the floor. Well, um, he puts pressure on people because of that can hit some outside shots when you need him to. I mean, he's not the guy that you have to go to, you know, and you're in the half court set and you need a bucket. Right. He's, he's really not that kind of best player, but like from being the most consistent and pretty much knowing what you're going to get night in, night out from him, pretty good foul, uh, foul shoot, free throw shooter. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think you're onto something there. McCollum continues to confuse me. Yeah. He was, I mean, he was pretty much a non-factor until, until he hit the free throws late. It's a really strange game for him. I, I thought one of the keys to the win was OU's bench. Yeah. Now, it wasn't a huge night from any guy off the bench, but what, Hughley had seven. <laughs> he also had my favorite player of the game when he got the flagrant running through that screen. Oh, <laughs> I loved that so much. I know that I know that Porter didn't love it. I know there are a lot of people that didn't love it, but I loved that so much. It just set the tone, big fella. I love it. What Soros had eight. Uh Northweather they did a good job. They gave him some good minutes. Yeah. Is it Darthard or Dart Hard? Dart Hard. Then why do the why do the TV broadcasts say Darthard? I don't know. I Toby says dart hard, so that's, that's what why I, I say it because I've heard yeah. Toby say it a lot. That's what I go with. And he so, hit the biggest shot of the game. Yeah. Three to put him up 59 56. I mean, just a massive shot. Did you hear Porter talking about that shot after the game? No, no, because it hit, it hit, and then kind of just dropped in. Yeah. And he said, he said it was Toby Keith just kind of waving that bad boy in from heaven. Hey, it. It may, that's probably right. Um, but I, I, I think it was, was it more earlier that had like a lay in on the left side that somehow didn't go in? I don't know how that ball rolled out. It looked like it was halfway down and just, just whoop. yeah, that was, uh, that was crazy little tip in there. We needed it. I, I feel good for Porter. His record against Texas and Oklahoma State, it's got to really bother him. It bothers me, so I know it bothers him. Yeah. Even though it wasn't pretty, had to feel really good, especially with all the stuff honoring TK. The Red Solo Cup sing-along went really well. That was awesome, seeing all those videos. They were wearing the shirts. So you, it, it would have been – it just would have been an absolutely brutal loss. So I was really glad – to see them get that win. And it was also that student hit the half court shot for what? Almost 2000 bucks. That was sweet too. Yeah. Who gives it out was. $1,900 for a half court shot? Can we get a round number? That's well, such a random amount of money. It is. It's random. And I hate to say it, but that number sucks compared to what you usually see. I kind it's of usually guy. Yeah, it's usually five grand, ten grand, right? Right, or more. Yeah. Huh. Wonder why it was only nineteen hundred. You got anything else from that game? It was. It was not a great watch, especially early. 
I was a little worried it was going to be first one to 40 was going to win that game. It was like four to four with five minutes gone or something like that. <laughs> it was crazy. But no, it, was, it was, it's a win. It wasn't pretty, but you absolutely had to have it. You knew you were going to get Oklahoma State's best effort. And you won, you won those two home games back to back. Look good against BYU, beat Oklahoma State. After losing your last two home games, that feels good. And, uh, we got some fun games down the stretch now. Big week for the Sooners on the men's side. Go to Baylor on Tuesday night, which we will all have to watch that game from that ridiculous, ridiculous camera angle. It's just, they built that beautiful arena and the camera angle is just, it's insane. I would love to watch a football game from that. The camera angle is basically, basically your booth angle for a football game, Ted. I haven't your, even seen it, I don't think, I, uh, or I haven't noticed it. Don't, don't look it up. Just, just prepare yourself. I wish I wouldn't have even said anything because you would have come on Wednesday morning, but like, what the hell is this camera angle? It is entirely too steep, but yeah, that's Tuesday night. And then. Kansas Jayhawks come to town Saturday, 3 p.m. in Norman. That will be a fun one. Whew. Let's talk a little thunder. Ted, they had a back-to-back this weekend. Have I ever told you the NBA is confusing? I don't know if you've ever specifically said it, but I would agree with that statement 100%. Perfect example. The Thunder's weekend is the perfect example of why it's a confusing league. Played Dallas in Dallas on Saturday and looked awful. I mean, just awful. And it was really disappointing, especially because the Thunder finally got three days of rest leading up to that game. Then they got destroyed. 146-111. Luka didn't even have to play in the fourth quarter. That's how bad it was. They scored a franchise first quarter record 47 points in the first quarter. <laughs> I mean, it was just and, and the Thunder bounced back in the in the second quarter. It's like, oh, we got a game. And they just walked away from them again. It was disappointing. But then they bounced back, were extremely crisp offensively on Sunday against the Kings, win 127-113. Shea, 38 points. J-Dub, 32. Both of those guys were awesome. The pace that they played with offensively was fantastic, and it was a big win. They had lost eight in a row to the Kings. And I thought they looked really, really good. Now, they've added Gordon Hayward. They've added Bismack Biombo. One game left against Orlando before the All-Star break. Still very exciting times for Thunder's fans, but a rather confusing weekend. Yeah, I'm curious what you think of the Gordon Hayward and Biombo edition. Like Gordon Hayward, there was a time whenever he was legit. Then what? He broke the ankle or something, broke his leg, and I guess hasn't been the same player. But he's a good kind of all-around versatile player, right? When healthy, I think he fits really, really well with this team. When you look at the guys that they have on the floor, they can all dribble, they can all pass, and for the most part, they can all shoot. 
Gordon Hayward can do all of those things. But you're right. Ever since that brutal leg break, was that his first game with Boston? Right Signed that massive deal. deal. Yeah. It's like two minutes into the game. Non-contact too, wasn't oh, it? If I just brutal. Right. One of those compound fracture, bone out of the skin situations. Not good. No. But. And then Biombo like give you some nice size on the inside rotation. Get some minutes. It's. It seems like he is going to be a situational guy. If you get into a series against Denver, you're going to need him to lean on Jokic for a little bit. Yeah. Well, it'll be good for some fouls. Do you ever expect him to drop 20 and 10? No. No. But it just gives you, and everything I've ever been told about him is he is an awesome teammate. So it, it seems like he'll fit right in when it comes to the culture, and he'll do whatever they need him to do. When you look at the additions they made and what they sent out, you've got Gordon Hayward, which it, it sounds like after the all-star break, they expect him to be ready to go. So and we'll he's, see. He's done. Like His contract clears after this year, right? He's on an expiring. So that's good. So if he looks really good for you, maybe you sign him to a – Team friendly deal, and he looks at it and goes, "Hey, I can, I can play some good basketball. There's a lot of good players here. We'll we'll see. Guys made a lot of money. Probably is most interested in winning at this point in his career. So maybe if he looks really really good, you keep him on something very manageable. Why, why are you laughing? Had, it just I just remembered. Was he the one that had the uh, the, the video, gender, the gender reveal video? Yes." One of Yay, another girl, and his wife goes, "Is daddy or is daddy happy?" <laughs> he goes, "Daddy's always happy." It is uh, by far one of my. Uh, it is one of my favorite internet athlete videos ever. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. <laughs> but yes, so we're getting that as well. Uh, the the whole Hayward squad, I would assume, is going to make the make the trek to Oklahoma City. But he's on the expiring, and if he looks good in the system, plays well, stays healthy, who knows? Maybe you get him on a on a good contract. Biombo is just kind of size insurance if you need him. I don't expect him to have a huge role in the team, but he may he may say, serve a big role at in some key situations. Right in the after the All Star break, especially if you're playing for playoff seeding, if you're playing to you know have home court advantage, that type of stuff, you know he he may he may be a guy that you're going to need in some of those situations. And then when you look at the cap space they cleared, eighteen million dollars in cap space for next season. I mean that's not nothing, man. You can get a quality quality player for that. I know that Trey Mann was a very well-liked guy on that team, but he wasn't playing for you. Bertans wasn't really playing for you. Michich, I hated seeing him go, but when you think about what it was going to look like in the playoffs, he was probably going to get pick-and-rolled off the floor just because teams would attack him over and over and over again defensively. And you give up two second-round picks. Now, there's a Mavs first-round pick swap in 2028 and some other stuff, but when you look at what they brought in and what they sent out, from everything I could gather, 
it, it seems like people are pretty pretty pleased about it. Would you have liked them to to add a big difference making big? Yeah, of course, but that's that's just not how they play. So yeah. that would drastically change things, and I don't think you want to drastically change things when you have the amount of you when you've had the amount of success they've had so far this season. And you know it, it, that costs a lot of money too. And yeah, it feels like they're they're doing a really good job, kind of staying nimble right now with with what the the cap says and and being able to dance around some stuff and have some nice options with Gordon Hayward, which you know I'm sure that conversation is probably taking place with his agent beforehand, right? About perhaps what a long-term deal may look like if things go well during the back half of this year. So yeah, I like it. I will say as I watched Daniel Gafford look like an all-star against them on Saturday and what was his first game for the Mavericks, maybe. Yeah. That's how it goes, dude. I was, I was going, why didn't we get a big guy at the trade deadline? Because he was just tearing us up. And they, the Mavericks, destroyed them on the glass. Well, they destroyed them on the glass and in fast break points and points in the paint. They destroyed them everywhere. But we'll see, right? Uh, We'll see how it unfolds after the All-Star break. But all I know, I'm all in, man. I'm so excited. And I am convinced healthy Gordon Hayward He's going to swing a playoff series for the Thunder. Just watch. It's going to happen. He's going to be excellent. I hope that's the case. I hope it's the case. Let's finish up with our winners and losers of the weekend. But first. All you grill masters, listen up. Didier Ranch delivers premium quality beef that is 100% raised in Oklahoma right to your front door. Go to DidierRanch.com, D-I-D-I-E-R, Ranch.com to order one of their premium quality beef boxes and use promo code OKLAHOMA15 for 15% off your order. Filet, ribeye, New York strip, sirloin, steak burgers, they've got it all, and they ship anywhere in the continental U.S., and Oklahomans get their deliveries in just one to two days. The only thing better than having a lot of premium beef on the O and D line is having premium beef delivered right to your front door. Didier Ranch, tradition tastes better. And head to the garage for hand-smashed patties, butter-toasted buns, and some ice-cold beer. It's the perfect spot to watch any big game. And with all the garage locations being open to 10 p.m. or later every night, it's the go-to late-night spot. Visit eatatthegarage.com to find a location near you and order online from the garage in your neighborhood. As always, Ted, Kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the weekend? Well, it's that time of the year, Gabe. I've got to go with OU softball. Yes. Start the season off 4-0 and in Puerto Vallarta uh, in that little uh, Look at class you. they go to every year. Yeah. Uh, look good. 4-0 and takes the winning streak out to 57 games. And uh, they look pretty good. Outscored their opponents 31-6. to Got to see a bunch of different uh, pitchers out there. Some youngsters playing well, hitting some bombs. Um, it was uh, all all around looked pretty daggum impressive. Was it the, uh, what's the girl's name? Was it the uh, Pickering is the true freshman first at bat, Grand Done. Slam. So, Kinsey Hansen hit a bomb. 
to no one's surprise, they uh, picked up right where they left off, looking good. And got a couple good games, right, which I think is important yeah. for but this team's down, growth. Down to Washington. That was a bit of a nail-biter, and it. we've heard Patty Gasso talk about it before. And, and I don't think she said this. She says this type of stuff to be me, but it's like, last year's team was last year's team. Yeah. You're not last year's team. You, you didn't accomplish what, like, this is this year's team. And for them to get some good games early on, for them to battle through that and to finish those games off, I thought that, I thought that that was really good stuff. I'll be honest with you. I thought they were going to go down there and win every single game by a lot, especially with the way they started in the opener, right? But yeah. I do think it's more valuable for them to feel those pressure situations as this year's team. I, I know a lot of those players have been in a lot of pressurized situations over the last couple of seasons. That's what happens when you you put together the seasons that they have. But I don't know. I just feel that that is that's really good for the team's growth as a whole to experience some of that stuff early. Yeah. I don't think there's any doubt. Little little adversity, a reminder that people aren't just going to lay down and hand it to you. And yeah, you know, I, I've heard a lot of coaches, players. Um, I've heard Tom Brady talk about it, how Every year is different. You never start off the following year where you left off the year before. It's it's kind of weird how you have to start over from scratch and build back and you know get better at all these different areas. And it's not just a continuous product that builds and builds and builds and gets better and better and better. Like people cycle out, new players come in, coaches leave, coaches come in. Uh, there's just a you know each team has a different feeling to it a different personality if you will and you got to find your way and this team is you know they're they're going to find their way and a little early adversity can uh can pay dividends down the stretch full disclosure i did not know duke was good at softball yeah top 10 they may be uh i, world I knew once the game started i was like oh my gosh they're what number nine i think they're number nine in one poll and number 11 in the other and that was a good game, a three-run game. Yeah. Those three runs were, I think it was in the second or third inning and just yeah, tremendous pitching know, in that one. I don't know a lot about Duke, but softball can be like that where a team all of a sudden, you they've got an ace pitcher and they can carry a team a long ways and uh, make them really tough. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Duke, look at Duke. How about it? Did not expect us to talk Duke softball tonight, but here we are. <laughs> here we are. You never know what you'll get on this podcast, ladies and gentlemen. All right, who do you have as your loser of the weekend? If you give people an inch, they'll take a mile. I had to go with Phoenix Waste Management. Whoa. <laughs> it devolved into you know whenever you see like those spring breaks where it turns into an absolute S show with fights and just chaos 
That's what the Phoenix Open was it, this year. It, it's like when South Padre, when we were kids, South Padre Island was cool. And people were like, oh, yeah, go there. It's nice. And then all of a sudden, it was where everyone went, and it was an absolute dumpster fire. Yep. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. You had fights. You had a lady fell off the high rise, I guess. You had people yelling at players, players yelling at people. They had to shut down the booze cells on the course, trying to tame things down a little bit. You had flooding and a monsoon came through. It was uh, it was bad. <laughs> but, hey, you had dramatic, a dramatic win there at the end, which was pretty cool in the playoffs. But yeah. outside of that, I imagine they're going to they're going to be a little more strict. I mean, that's been the one place where they let people go out and cut loose and and be loud and, you know, have a great time. And for the most part, I think people have been able to do it and still maintain some order. But you keep letting the rope out and, you know, eventually it gets out of hand. And I feel like this was the year. I went last year. So last year it was the Phoenix Open Super Bowl combo. That's, That's right. what was going on. And, and we went and we had seats on the 16th hole, but you still have to walk through. Uh, you have to walk through a lot of the course to get there. And it was the first time. And I've been what four or five times now been quite a few times. It's an awesome event. And I've always told people you got to go. And maybe it's just because I'm getting old man. But last year we were walking back there and we were seeing some stuff. And I turned to my wife and I said, Hey, am I getting older? Is this a little much? (laughs) And it was Saturday. It was the exact same situation Saturday at the Phoenix open day before the super bowl. And she looked at me as like, no, it's, it's getting to be a little much. There's just, there's too many people. And that's what it sounded like happened was that they just had, they had too many people on the golf course. Yeah. Just can't let that many people in. Too many, I said like 200,000 people there or something like that. I, I think at one point, and this is where, this is just stuff that I read where the people that were checking tickets at the gate, there were just too many people that are like, all right, we give up. What are we gonna like, do we're not getting that? paid enough for this. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad. I'm surprised they told those bartenders like stop serving booze. I'm glad nothing, like there was no altercation. Because they shut because, it down. Because they shut down. Like coming up to the bartenders and be like, no, you're going to serve. I'm glad nothing yeah. bad happened. Well, I'm because sure you tell a bunch of drunk did. dudes, like, hey, you can't have any more drinks. They're not exactly going to take that well, typically. I paid my money to get in here. Yeah. I I don't know. It sounds like it was, uh, there was fights everywhere. And geez. See the one clip? He was like, dude. Shut up when he's over on the ball. Stop talking his back sweep. This is our effing job. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Crazy. I felt... I don't know. The Ryder Cup stuff, that had to be rough for Zach Johnson. I think he was at his breaking point. (laughs) That clip is... I mean, he's clearly... He is fed up with it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I can imagine, like, if, if you're, like, it's not always fun to be out there. If you don't have, your game's not going, and you're grinding, and then it's like you're having to deal with all the stuff in the stands, and people talking, and, which, you know, it's like, I don't feel sorry for the golfers. I mean, it's, I just would like people to uh, conduct themselves in a good way. That's that's really it. It's like I'm not going to cry myself to sleep because, you know, the golfers have to deal with someone talking in their backswing. It, it's just, let's all act decent, right? That's that's really it. Golfers, go, go make a mistake in an important football game and then come talk to us, okay? <laughs> right. <laughs> Soft. Soft. No, but it didn't. I had multiple people there that were telling me, yeah, man, this is, it's not good. Like they, they, yeah. uh, they basically lost control of this thing. So I, they'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. I, I think the waste management will continue to be the most fun golf tournament in the sport. But yeah, it seems like, <laughs> it seems like the tiger got out of the cage a little bit. Tiger got out of the cage. That's uh, funny. Oh. Uh, Let's finish up with my winner and loser. But first, attention business owners, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. And head to OpolisClothing.com for our podcast merchandise and the best OU gear out there. That's O-P-O-L-I-S Clothing.com. Use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off. That's OpolisClothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. For my winner of the weekend, I thought about going with Live Golf. So you had the debacle at the waste management. Yeah. Right. Meanwhile, I was I was locked in to Live Golf on Saturday. Broadcast is solid. Now, sure, the team names could be better, the logos could be better, whatever. It's a little goofy. I don't really care. But you see a ton of golf shots. And at one point, there was a six-way tie. And two of the guys, that it was like Dustin Johnson, our guy Taylor Gooch, a John Rahm. I mean, it was, it was some big names in golf, man. And Dustin Johnson ended up having just an awesome finish. Strong finish to win it. Our guy Taylor Gooch, we got to get him back on the pod. Soon. Yep. Ended up finishing uh, T2. It's just a fun watch. And, and I I know some people don't maybe understand or like the team aspect of it. I kind of dig it. I heard Graham yeah. McDowell talk about it afterwards. How much he loves being part of a team. Like that him and his teammates, they work together. They share strategy. They talk about the course. Like it's just different. And I'd never really thought about it in that way from – you know, from the golfer's perspective. And I don't know, hearing him talk about it made me think about it a little differently. And I I don't know, man. I was I was digging watching some live golf. I really enjoyed it. 
Yeah, no, I like it too. I think the team aspect is is I, the team aspect is cool. I wish it was team golf is fun to watch. I almost wish like the way they do college is pretty cool how you have like the different formats on different days. It's I mean it's like the the Ryder Cup, which I don't think they'll ever get to that, but if they had some, maybe an event or two out there that was more like team driven would be, would be kind of cool. I, Cause I'll dig that part of it also. Yeah. I wonder if they could add a couple extra events where it was a match play type of situation like you're yeah. talking about, but I enjoyed it. Do you mind the, uh, the house music banging in the background? Not one bit. It doesn't, I guess it really bothers some people. I don't even notice it. It does. It doesn't bother me. Um, it's just, it's totally different than, I guess, what your traditional golf broadcast where they pump in the fake birds chirping and crap like that. And it's as quiet as could be out there. I mean, it's different than that, but it, it doesn't bother me at all. Question for you. When you go golf with your buddies, do you listen to music on the speaker? 100% of the time. That's just the way I see it. I, I can't tell you the last time I've golfed where I didn't have music on. It'd be strange. So yeah. it doesn't bother me at all, but there was a clip of John Rahm. <laughs> he was on the tees looking at it, and I couldn't tell if it was him or his caddy. Someone going, quiet, please. <laughs> quiet, please. Quiet, please. <laughs> and he said it like six times. It was it was a really funny clip. But I don't know. I, I didn't mind it. I enjoyed watching yeah. it. And Gooch, P2 and... Smash GC with the team win. It's a solid three days work for our guy. Love it. But for my winner of the weekend, I don't compliment Ohio State very often, but the Ohio State Buckeyes. I see you, Ryan Day. I've had them a little offseason now, haven't they? Yeah. Doing some work in the transfer portal. Someone feels some pressure up there, I think. I think so. <laughs> but remember, he hired Bill O'Brien to be the offense coordinator there. Bill O'Brien takes the head job at Boston College. You're going, dang, it's not a good time to lose your offensive coordinator. That's not ideal. All Ryan Day did was go out and land Chip Kelly. I That's just fascinating to me. Which, you know, I kind of understand it from Chip Kelly's perspective. How? Well, I thought he had done some really good things at UCLA. UCLA has been garbage in football for as long as I can remember. Right. And the last three years for them have been, for UCLA standards, incredibly solid. He had recruited well. They'd done good in the transfer portal. And he's still like one of the top coaches nationally on the hot seat. So if you see the writing on the wall, and Ohio State's about to be really good. Got a chance to go win a national championship. One or two years, win a national championship or or compete for one at Ohio State. Take your pick at, at a job where you want to go. You know, and maybe he could do that anyways. But he'll just go. Not, he'll just go back to being the UCLA head coach. After, yeah, there you go. Just his skin at Ohio State. Deal. Yeah, I just I think. Like maybe that's part of it. The other part of it may be 
I'm done dealing with all the things a head coach has to deal with. I think that's it. You know? I He was making nearly $6 million at UCLA. And he just said, I'm good. I'm done. Yeah. I'll take the $2 million, whatever they're going to give him. He left a at a time where every coach that wants to be in college coaching is trying to get an SEC or a Big Ten head coaching job. He just left one. Yeah. Willingly. Said, I'm good. I'm out. I'll just go be the offense coordinator at Ohio State. A team in the same conference as the team that I was just in. How shocking you think that was for the AD there? How about the players? Can you imagine Chip Kelly recruited you, brought you in, and he says, guys, I'm going to Ohio State. And all the guys turn and go, did they fire Ryan Day? You're gonna what you're going to Ohio? No, 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 I'm be the offensive coordinator, guys. See they ya. lost their DC too, right? That's who uh USC hired. Yeah, DeAnton Lynn. Yep. So yeah, I just wild. But I think some of the stuff that they've done offensively is really, really good. Physical running attack. They've had the last yep. couple of years at UCLA. I expect that to to translate. And you think about Travion Henderson, Quinshaw Judkins at the running back spots for Ohio State. Now you got to get the offensive line right. But I think Chip Kelly is going to be able to dial some stuff up for the Buckeyes. Yeah. And I it, it turned into this big conversation about everything that a head coach has to handle with NIL and the portal and all this stuff. And I, I'm sure that's a, that's a factor. Part of me wonders if Chip Kelly looked at it and goes, you know what? I made a ton of money. I just want to coach. Yeah. I don't want to deal with all the other stuff. I just want, I just want to coach football. I want to coach quarterbacks. I want to draw plays up. I don't want to deal with all the other stuff. And you still got to recruit as an offensive coordinator and you're still a big name. Like players are going to want to talk to you. That's, that's still going to be a part of his day to day, but it's going to be way less. And you think about the NIL piece after what we saw this off season, some of the acquisitions Ohio state made, they seem to have that piece figured out pretty good. Yeah. And the offensive coordinator, like, you you take the NIL stuff flows upstream, right? It's like, hey, the starting quarterback has come to me and wants to redo his NIL deal. Go talk to the head coach. This recruit we're looking at wants to talk about his NIL deal. Go talk to the head coach. You know, you could you could pass all of that crap on and get back to being a football coach, recruiting and I mean, it's still, listen, it's still babysitting. It's still a massive headache, but far less of a headache as the offensive coordinator than it is the head guy. Yeah. I I got no clue who UCLA is going to hire. PJ Flex said he didn't want it. Doesn't sound like Brent Brennan is a candidate. I saw Jed Fish. Some people are saying that he may interview. He said he's. He's going back to Washington. DeAnton Lynn, you mentioned he's at USC. 
Now, would he go back and be the head coach? I, I don't know. Barry Odom's been mentioned. Tom Herman, David Shaw, Tony White, the DC at Nebraska. He he played at UCLA. I mean, it's a Big Ten job, but it's also a Big Ten job where the schools had some financial management issues. And it can't help things if the head coach just left for a coordinator job somewhere else, man. No. That's got to no. make you go, wait, wait, wait. Ooh, what's going on here? What's wrong with this job? Should I take this job? The guy that's done better there than anyone in 25 years. And it's not that it's that great. I mean, and he's like, no thanks. It's crazy. Good for Chip. Be where you want to be. Way to choose happiness, Chip. Choose happiness. <laughs> he just he chose actually coaching some football over the paycheck. Impressive. Impressive stuff from Chip Kelly. All right, for my loser of the weekend. Hinted at it earlier. Give me the Alabama Crimson Tide. Been an interesting, uh, interesting sequence of events here for Alabama. Nick Saban retires. Yeah. Which immediately results in you losing some good players in the portal. Uh-huh. But you hire Kalen DeBoer. A lot of excitement around him. You know, just taking that Washington team to the national title game. There was a lot of excitement that he was bringing Ryan Grubb as his offensive coordinator after Ryan Grubb did not get the Washington job. And, well, that ain't happening. Mm -mm. Even though only a few days ago I saw a clip of Grubb saying, I'm your offensive coordinator to some booster club there at Bama. He gone. We'll be the offensive coordinator for the Seattle Seahawks. Hey, maybe he'll be the head coach at UCLA. <laughs> Who knows? But as of now, Going to be the offensive coordinator for the Seattle Seahawks next season. And we'll see what DeBoer does. Maybe he ends up calling plays his first season. I, I've got no doubt that there will be plenty of guys that will have a lot of interest in being the offensive coordinator at Alabama. But losing Grubb hurts. And he's also taking the guy that was supposed to be his offensive line coach. Grubb's taking him with, the, with, with him to Seattle. So you lose your OC, who's also your quarterback's coach, and your O-line coach. Those are big, big losses for Kalen DeBoer. And, man, Ted, just a lot of change in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, and spring ball is knocking on the door. Yeah. You know? And now, here's the crazy thing is, it felt like Saban had a hard time hiring his last offensive coordinator. Right? It ended up that, with Tommy Reese. Ended up with Tommy Reese, which, you know, I don't know where he was on the wish list to start off, but it felt like there was a way more people reluctant to take that job than maybe you would have ever anticipated. And now it's going to be even more difficult. So, yeah, I don't know. Only other thing I have to say about the Bama situation. I was happy seeing Saban is going to be on game day. He's going to be awesome. Yep, I agree. I, Good well, sense of humor. 
understands it all. He knows everyone. When Saban calls you, you pick up the phone and tell him what you're going to do on Saturday, right? I mean, he's going to know everyone's game plan. I mean, he's, he's he should be awesome. I honestly think it will make more people watch it. And I'll tell you right now. Anytime you're a part of a television show or a radio show, there is, for lack of a better term, there's like an alpha. There's a dominant personality. And I'm just very interested to see what the dynamic between Saban, Herb Street, and McAfee looks like. Well, there's, there's, that's probably been one of the problems with it, even though it's good. Like, there's not a, like, Corso would have been the guy for a long time, but there's not like the ultimate, like, we defer to what he says. Like, you know, and I think that'll probably, probably make it feel a little bit different up there in a good way. I really hope. And I've got faith in McAfee because he's a wildly entertaining guy. I hope McAfee just tells Saban he's wrong, even even if he doesn't think that, like tells him he thinks he's wrong about something every once in a while, because it would just be hilarious to see how he would react. I think he I the, I think those two will actually probably coexist pretty well. I haven't I know he's been on Pat's show recently. I haven't seen any of it, but does, how does that go? Does have you yeah. seen any of the clips? I would yeah, I've watched some of the clips. Seems good. You got like two wildly different personalities that somehow it it feels like it may work great. Yeah. the The thing I'm most interested in is if DeBoer and Bama struggle, how he's going to handle that. Yeah. Because that's a tough spot for him. And how he he would navigate that situation, I think, would be very interesting. Yeah. Because it's one thing. I mean, he struggled in his first year at Bama, but that was a long time ago. And he just handed, even though they lost some guys, he still got a top three most talented roster in all college football that he just handed to him. Yeah. And, you know, he, at least for like the time being, like I will say like when coach Stoops is on there, rarely critical of anyone, right? You, you highlight on the positives of, of whatever contest you're talking about. Uh, and I imagine that's probably how Saban's going to be at least, you know, at least for a while. I hope he's just completely honest. That's what I want. Yeah. And it, it, I don't want him to be mean or anything like that. I just want him. I want him to approach it. Like if he were sitting watching tape, breaking down a gate, like that's how I want him to approach it. Yeah. Just give me what you think, man. Whether it's then maybe sometimes it'll come out sounding really, really critical, but that I think that's what people want. Yeah. Cause you got, you got a great setup. You've got, McAfee, the least serious guy ever. Saban, the most serious guy ever. Herb Street, the most like down the middle of the road guy ever. So it could make for, could end up being perfect. I got a feeling Reese Davis, he's he's going to be quarterback in that thing at a high level. 
he's really good. So I am. I don't know. I'm excited. I think the show is. How long before Saban like just takes over for him? <laughs> just starts bringing. What happens if he okay. starts bringing him in and out of breaks? Let me stop you right there, Reese. I got. It. I got it, Reese. I got it. You can go now. No, but it's gonna be. I. I, I think it's gonna be really good. I agree. I'm, I'm fired up. Birthday shout outs. Welcome to the world, David Easton Winter Road. A happy 29th birthday to Deatra Smith. I think Deatra? you nailed it. Deatra, Deatra, Deatra. Deatra Smith. Deatra. But it's got to be one of those four. Yeah. I think you arrived with the first one. Okay. On that note, episode 395 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop on Wednesday. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on The Ref. You can hear me on SiriusXM Radio. Hope you all have a great start to your week. And until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one.